one. This okay, is yeah. your TRL world premiere. Remember that? Yeah, no, we're live. Oh, my name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. We are and going my name's to break- Jacob, and that's Jacob. We are going to break down the entire UFC 268 Usman versus Cummington fight card. We have back to back. I can't say pay-per-views because last week was free, but we're coming off a high last week. Our buddy Glover won. The picks were spot on, but I think everybody's picks were spot on. Last week was a somewhat easy week, except we had Glover and most people didn't. The bets were spot on. We hit all except one, but still up units. And we are going to break down this entire fight card. We're going to give you our picks, our bets, our DraftKings plays, and our monkey knife fight picks. Before we jump in, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have three different betting partners. Jump into any one of them, make a deposit, let me know, and I will give you $50 as a thank you for supporting us, for supporting our partners, because honestly, we're just trying to grow the channel and grow our partnerships. 50 bucks, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, jump in, make a deposit, let me know. We'll get you paid. Myself and Jacob tonight, no Danny boy. Because Danny just got back from Abu Dhabi. He was there supporting Glover. Stayed an extra few days after Glover won. And uh, he's in full recovery. He says he'll be with us on Friday. We'll see if he can survive till the end of the week. Let's get going, Jakey. I'm ready. How are you, Angelo? I'm all right. My voice is better. All right. First up, at UFC 268, we have Oday Osborne versus CJ Vergara. CJ Vergara, 9-2 and two overall. 5 and 0 oh in his last 5. Ode Osborne 3 and 2 in his last 5. 9 and 4 overall and he is coming off of a bad knockout just 2 months ago. CJ Vergara. So we're opening this card with uh two strikers that have very different striking styles. CJ Vergara Vergara is making his official UFC debut after a nice win on the contender series. He's a really good striker with clean boxing, solid knees. And he likes to fight inside, and he has solid clinch work with some real power. Ode is a southpaw. He uses range really well uh, to keep people at the end of his punches. He's got a ton of power, great finishability, especially at 125 pounds. In case you forgot when we broke him down last time, his last fight was his first fight at 125. Uh, he was coming down from 145, and 20 pounds at that sort of weight is a big drop. Uh, he didn't really cut weight in the past, so now he's just cutting a little bit, and he's more natural. Last time, we were curious how he would look, and frankly, even though he was KO'd late in the first, uh, he honestly looked pretty good <laughs> leading up to that, uh, and I could comfortably say that 125 pounds is the best weight class for him. Listen, the round line on this, so the, the length of time that Vegas thinks this fight will go, is only one and a half rounds. That's because we have two strikers with power, I'm going to go with Ode here. He had an uncomfortable outing in his last fight. Uh, he's got, I think he's got the power edge. He's definitely the more versatile fighter. Um, I think he's going to have the size advantage because he is bigger for this weight class, even though he was small for 145. And I think Vergara's just forward pressure, his boxing heavy forward pressure, uh, is just going to play into Ode's counter striking and range control. And I think he might get caught with something. Jakey boy, what do you think? Yeah, I agree to a point because, you know, I think Ode is probably the better striker of the two. When I watch CJ fight, and I think that's probably going to be a problem with him, 
that you kind of alluded to is he kind of his hands low forward pressure. And if you have your hands low against O'Day, it's 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 not gonna be it's not gonna be good news, especially with that power coming down to 125. He, he didn't really get to show off that power um in that uh Manel fight. I, I thought that he was looking like you said, he was looking good in that fight, and then Manel, you know, ended the round through a while. I think it was like 10 seconds left in the round. O'Day was winning the round. Um, and that, that wild knee that caught him uh, only two months ago. Uh, you know, CJ has some good takedowns. That's the thing that worries me about this fight. CJ's got some decent takedowns, and O'Day is a, O'Day's a good grappler. He's not a wrestler. He's a good grappler, but I could see him on his back this fight because if I'm CJ, I don't want to strike with O'Day. I want to get those takedowns. Uh, I want to control him on the ground. The biggest part about this O'Day that I, I'm a big O'Day fan. I think I picked O'Day in every single fight. He was kind of gifted, like the best DraftKings value of all time, one of his first fights. He was like $7,200, then I got a short, uh, short notice opponent. Anyway, he switched camps. He's at Syndicate MMA now, and he talked vocally about how the last few fights, he has been he was clashing with his head coach a ton. So he said, like, this, is a lo- this change is a long time coming. So if he looked that good, and that composed when he wasn't even getting along with his coaches. Now he says he's at syndicate. He loves it there, the positivity. He might come in with a real, real game plan and, and look fantastic. So I agree. I'm on the O'Day side of this, but CJ and those takedowns worry me a little bit. But I, I like O'Day all the way on this one. Yeah, and the other thing that worries me w- with O'Day is, I mean, that knockout was only two months ago. And it takes a while to unscramble your brains, legitimately. And Dan's not here. But Dan, you know, Dan was a professional fighter for a very long time. He is like he's known for a couple of things. One, just his just raw, you know, he he would just a dog. But two things really stand out with him in his fighting career. He's impossible to take down, and he had a ridiculous chin. But then one day they were in a light sparring, and Hector Lombard blasted him like as hard as he could, unprepared, and it really gave Dan like problems, right? And Dan was fighting like three weeks after that. And that was the first time that Dan ever had chin issues in a fight because he just didn't have time for that to recover, didn't have time for that to come back. And it takes time. Two months is not enough time, especially, I mean, he was out cold. That was a bad knockout. So those, those knees are nasty. When you get hit with a knee, it's no joke. That's the one. Trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. Yeah, you know, you're you're definitely positive. That's the one thing that worries me. Uh, But I do think Ode is the better fighter. I think he's the more powerful fighter. Styles make fights, and I think his range counter striking plays perfectly to um, uh, CJ's just forward pressure, throwing wild stuff. With and that I, being I, said, yeah, I would be surprised too if if Ode comes in, you know, with with a grappling game plan as well. Because you mentioned the big knockout, you mentioned the change of coaches. You know, he could because he's a good grappler. You know, we'll see. Well, and when we say on this channel, when we say grappling, we're talking about jujitsu. Wrestling is wrestling. And we try to make a distinguish between the two. And there's a couple fights on this card where they have good grappling and miserable wrestling. So just want to highlight that. What do you think of the DraftKings? I, I don't think I'm going to touch either one of these guys. I think Ode's a little too expensive. CJ's a little too unknown. I completely agree. 100%. Monkey Knife Fight is interesting because the round line is one and a half. And if you've watched our sort of line setting videos where we have Chris Riley who sets these Monkey Knife Fight lines... We have him on. He talks about his lines, how he got there. Essentially, what he does is he does his research. He understands uh, the typical strikes thrown in a fight with that specific fighter, looks at the round line, and then just sort of does a math formula from there. 66 seems high for a fight that is supposed to end at seven and a half minutes. So 
Uh, I, I don't know what to do with this round line. I actually do think it is probably more and more. I have a feeling this fight goes a little bit. I will probably play the over on the uh, one and a half uh, round line because there is power here. They are two uh, sort of heavy-handed strikers, but I think this fight will go a little bit. What do you I think? will say that uh, Ode has not been out of the first round win or loss since 2016. So there's something to hang your hat on. I, I, I would probably play the less, less. Yeah, I mean, if you're on that side of it, then less, less is the play. I, I do think... I, I do think this one will go a little bit because, uh, you know, I, I think Oday's going to be a little gun shy after that knockout. I think he might take his time a little bit. And if you watch the last fight, that should have gotten – there was literally 15 seconds left. He should have gotten out of the first round with – you know, he got clipped 15 seconds left with the flying knee, but he wasn't fighting a I-need-to-end-this-in-this-round type fight. So he was, uh, he was well on his way to a second-round, third-round type fight. We'll see what happens here. Either way, Ode is our pick, but it is a sort of a thin margin. I disagree with these odds. I think they are way too wide. Margin, I just... What was that? Next I... up, next up at UFC 268, we have Melsic Bogdasarian versus Bruno Souza. We do not have DraftKings prices yet, but we do have Monkey Knife Fight Strike Lines. Uh, Melsic Bogdazarian six and one overall, five and oh in his last five. Bruno Souza ten and one overall, five and oh in his last five. Listen, Melsic started his career with five first round knockouts before a decision on contender series, then a KO in his last fight. He's very aggressive, he is always moving forward. He has diverse striking. Uh, he will go to the body, he will use kicks, and he mixes it all together really really well his forward pressure his power and his diversity make him really fun to watch uh and he should be able to get it done especially against a late replacement bruno silva is taking this fight on short notice this is his ufc debut i think it's souza souza i said souza you said silva i said bruno souza i don't make mistakes jacob uh, this is Souza's UFC debut, uh, but he is the LFA champion, and he's coming off a nice win just two months ago. Uh, Bruno has a karate-style striking, so he's got the wide base, the hands out here, low, sort of springing in and out. Uh, he wants to hop out of the way, blast back in with a nice heavy counter shot, and uh, you know he has that karate base, that karate background, and that karate striking style. Um I personally think these odds are pretty wide. Uh, I think this is a close fight. So we have an aggressive forward movement striker in Melsic versus a very talented counter striker in Bruno Silva. Melsic has incredible power and he tends to overwhelm his opponents, but he's, I'm not going to say he's first round or bust, but he is much closer to a first round fighter than he is to any sort of, uh, late round type guy. Bruno does not have the same power, but he times his shots really well. And we have talked about this. Timing is more important than power. Speed in many game, many times is more important than power. Uh, Bruno also has takedowns. He has submissions. He has champion experience. I'm going to take the counter striker to weather the early storm and ride out a decision, literally just hopping in and out staying away from the big power. You're shaking your head. You disagree with me. Why? Why? What's your problem? Yeah, try again. Do you want to like, do you want to redo this segment? What's your you problem? Can if you want, Go honestly, ahead. listen, Bruno Souza, you, you mentioned the karate stance. He's kind of like the old school Conor McGregor stance, right? Except for not as quick, 
Um, not as fluid. He thinks he's kind of great. You can tell he's confident in there, but he, he looks a little, he's slower. Um, I have in my notes that he's kind of a weirdo. Like he just, he just looks awkward in the octagon to me. Um, you know, and, and he's 10 and one, but three of those wins are split decision wins. So, I mean, yeah, he is 10 and one, but he's Solid. not dominating people. He could have easily lost I'm on, on judges scorecards. He was losing those fights. So I don't even know why he's here. Honestly, I think this should be a four to one favorite. I, I love, I love Mel. We are so far apart on this. He is, an, he is an absolute. You mentioned he's a, he's an absolute finisher. He's a killer. He's going to get in Bruno's face. I see this ending very early of him pressuring Souza against the fence. Souza back against the fence. Now the karate's gone. He just folds like the weirdo that he is. Uh, I like Melsic to absolutely dominate, dominate this fight. Uh, well, listen, I, I am worried about Melsic's aggression, forward pressure, power. I'm worried about all of that, which is why I'm not putting a money line bet on on uh, Bruno Souza. But and we can redo the segment if you want to redo your analysis. All right. Next up. No, I just think, you know, listen, counter striking is incredibly important. Listen, Melsic only has seven fights. Uh, you know, Bruno has 11, so it's not worlds of difference, but we have championship level experience versus seven first round fights, basically. So uh, frankly, Siles make fights and just that forward pressure, charging forward, looking for a knockout. Bruno you know what's Cesar. funny too is he has three split decision wins and another one of his wins is a dis disqualification for illegal punches. So he could be eight and four, or he could be, you know. Whatever. Yeah, solid math. Wow, what incredible eight, four, math. Eight, four, sorry. So fast. Listen, this I'm not I don't have a money line bet on it. So at the end of the day, you know, like I, I that's my pick. Am I literally gonna put my money where my mouth is? No, I'm not gonna do that, and I'm not gonna pretend that I am. But I do like sort of the matador style of some of these karate guys. Some of these karate guys, they go out there, they get cracked and it's embarrassing. And they you got to be real. Out. You got to be real good with that style. And he is not. I, I see. I think he is good with that style. So, and, and, and he's literally Loyola Machida's protege. Not that that matters. I purposely didn't bring that up early because I hate when people compare fighters to their coaches or their teammates because they are different human beings. But frankly, you know, if somebody mastered that style, it was him. Um, if Melzik had more fights and more experience, it would be different. If he had wrestling, it would be different. But he is just a charge forward bull. I'm going to try to knock you out type fighter. I can see Bruno moving out the way, landing some big counter shots. Uh, I, have, I'm, I have I have not put a money line on it. I probably won't put a money line on it. But I do like that clash of styles. We don't have DraftKings prices yet because uh, this is sort of last minute. So we'll see what happens with that. But I do, uh, I don't know what to do with the monkey knife fight line because 81 is high and Melsic's got some real power. If he's landing 81, that's a, that's a super big issue. Um, but I do think Bruno wins, which means this will go to a decision, but I don't know if he's even going to land 54 in a decision because he is a counter striker. Move out of the way, crack, move out of the way, crack. So it is probably less, less, although I don't necessarily think there's a stoppage. You're saying less, less. Because you think Melsic takes his head off his body. Okay. Well, yeah, whatever, man. Go ahead. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it, it'll be an interesting one for sure. Um, I, I doubt I'm going to bet anything on this one because Melsic is live for a knockout, of course. Uh, and he's a giant favorite. So saying Melsic to win by knockout or decision, no action, those odds are going to be insane because that's a protection bet. But if you find a spot, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. 
jump into one of the promos, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you $50 just for supporting us and our partners. If you want to play the monkey knife fight line, I think we're both confident in the less less for two different reasons. If you want to play the monkey knife fight line, we want picks.com slash MKF. Jump in, make a deposit. They will instantly match that deposit and just use the free money. You don't even need to use your real money. Give them 50 bucks. They'll give you 50 bucks. Use their 50. Keep your 50. Don't spend any real money. Super easy. Ton of fun. Next up at UFC 268, we have another sort of shuffling of the cards, but we will walk through this for you. And odds came out after I made this graphic. Jacob, pull up the odds while I do the intro here if you can. Got it. Minus 290, Dustin Jacoby, plus 225, John Allen. All right, there we go. Three to one or three to two are the odds here. So we have Dustin Jacoby, 15 and five overall, 4-0 and one in his last five. Taking on, he's the short notice guy, taking on John Allen, 13 and six overall, 2-2 two, two and one in his last five. Coming off of a split decision loss to Roman Delize. So Dustin Jacoby, we've broken him down many times before. Uh, he's a high-level kickboxer. He will light up your legs. He'll chop down that tree early and then work the head for a stoppage. He's very technically sound. He has good power, good volume. I absolutely love watching Dustin Jacoby fight, and we've been all over him in his last few wins, at least since his channel started. So I'm a big Dustin Jacoby guy, and he is taking this fight on short notice. I think just yesterday is when his name popped up. No value yet on him in DraftKings, but we do have it in um, John Allen because he was supposed to be on this card. Uh, John Allen, solid striker, has a good jab. He likes to fight inside the pocket. Ultimately, he's looking to mix it up with his hands and work into his wrestling. Uh, he only has a 50% takedown defense, but he does have a 71% takedown accuracy, and he does average two takedowns per fight. And against a striker as good as Jacoby, he will probably need those takedowns. Honestly, this is a pretty straightforward pick for me. Uh, while Dustin doesn't have the best takedown defense, his striking is very effective. He was taken down nine times, nine times against Kudalaba and still squeaked that out to a draw. And one judge gave him the fight, so it was a split draw. Uh, and what that tells me is even though he was on the mat quite a bit, his striking was so effective. And if you watch that fight, it was very clear who was winning uh, those striking battles. I like Dustin's composure. I like his technique. I like his power. Uh, it is likely a decision because we've seen how tough John Allen is, but I do like short notice Dustin Jacoby here, and I can only hope and assume he's in shape. Jakey boy, what are your thoughts? 100% agree. I mean, the odds tell the biggest story here. It's a short notice fight for Dustin Jacoby, which usually odds makers hate short notice fighters, right? They will absolutely destroy them on the odds. Um, and he's still a three to one favorite versus John Allen. If this was a setup fight with full camps ready to go for weeks, first of all, they wouldn't get they wouldn't make this fight. And second of all, if they did, Jacoby would probably be a five or six to one favorite. Um, Dustin Jacoby should absolutely absolutely uh dominate this fight. And honestly, that that three to one money is probably still good money because you know you have that short notice kind of built in. So uh that's a lot to to pay for odds. But you know, if you're just looking for some for some safe money. I don't want to say it's Dustin Jacoby, but it yeah, could be. Dustin and, and Jacoby, I, I, listen, I personally never spend over. I don't even get to two to one. 
I, I just hate spending that. But some people, game. some people are, or, or, or this is one of those. So maybe this is a like a, a parlay, right? You put him in a parlay, so his odds don't kill you as much as they would if he was a five to six of one favorite, you know, something like that. So he'd be a good addition to a parlay. DraftKings, you know, I'd like to play him, but I, I think DraftKings is going to be a little bit more wiser um, than the odds. Well, they and have probably, the luxury of time, yeah. Right, so and then he's probably going to probably be ninety three hundred dollars, ninety four hundred dollars, and I don't think he's probably going to get a finish. So I, I'll probably stay away from DraftKings. We'll have to see what what they come up with. We could get lucky with DraftKings because they've already priced John Allen. We could get lucky where DraftKings will price it appropriately. So the average, what is it, $8,100 each? Something like that. Yeah, I think it's $8,100 each. Um, but they'll never do even. There always has to be a favorite. So, you know, you, you may be able to get Dustin at, you know, the correct price point here unless they just say, screw it which when they normally add somebody in late, they just say screw it and price them however they want. Uh, with that being said, I do like Dustin here. I think there are some spots for him. You know what I like, Dustin, where you'll get plus money? You may be able to get, um, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say Dustin inside the distance, but John Allen is so tough, so probably not. This will probably go over. Maybe check the round line, see if you get the over there. But anyway, uh, Dustin Jacoby's fantastic striking We'll see what DraftKings does. What do you think of the monkey knife fight line? I personally like the more and more there. I agree. I knew that's what you're going to say, and I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I like the more and more. This will probably go a little bit. So this should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to the DraftKings price, and we'll see. Maybe the odds will shift, and, and there'll be something reasonable. But right now, Dustin Jacoby, both of us picked him. Pretty straightforward fight. Uh, and if I have one other comment here, this is normally something you would yeah, say. Yeah, and he's actually a, like a 350. DraftKings has him at minus 365. So Yeah, so there, he's going to be a fortune. Uh, listen, this is normally something you would say. I've been around professional fighters a very long time. Very long time. Managed them for 15 years. I've seen everything. John Allen has steroid nipples, period. Those are steroid nipples. When you do steroids for a long time, the estrogen does weird things to your body. And uh, you get little puffy, saggy pieces of fat around your nipple. John Allen has steroid nipples. I don't know. Maybe that's a factor. Maybe it isn't. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Thank you for the information. No problem. You learn something new every time. Next up, at UFC 268, we have John Vellante versus Chris Barnett. John Vellante, 17-3 and three overall. He is 1-4 and four in his last five with his last win coming three years ago. Chris Barnett, 21-7 and seven overall. He is 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of his UFC debut loss to Big Ben Rothwell. And listen, I love that Chris is in the UFC. I love that he's getting John as an opponent. I mentioned this last time when we broke Chris down. Uh, I've spent a good amount of time with him. Uh, I managed fighters, and at one point, I had a bunch of fighters in the XFC. I had Parker Porter, who's a UFC heavyweight, Nick Newell, who's on this show, the you know the the uh, famous one-armed fighter with the movie after him, Mariana Kafetz, Ryan Quinn, and a few other people all in the XFC. I was going to every single XFC event, traveling with them, and Chris was their poster child. So I spent a lot of time with Chris at events, at the hotel, in the locker rooms, at training. I spent a good amount of time with him. Uh, and, and you can't meet a nicer, funnier, cool guy. He doesn't look like it, but he is incredibly athletic and shockingly dynamic. He has very real power. He will manage to land strikes, even though he has almost 
no reach. He is always the shorter guy, always has the shorter reach, and he is landing big, long, fast, heavy shots. Uh, he hadn't taken his career too seriously in the past, uh, but he seems to be on the right track now, and this is an absolutely perfect fight for Chris to sort of show what he has or at least see if he is UFC caliber. John Vellante, he's a fun guy. He's also really funny if you get some of the behind-the-scenes footage and you catch him hanging out with some people. Um, but the reality is that he's a middleweight. He doesn't take his career seriously, which is why he's at heavyweight, and he has almost a 500 record. Skill-wise, John's pretty decent everywhere. Uh, I'd say he's mostly a wrestler. He's got some pretty good boxing uh, he has issues getting hit, so he does get hit quite a bit and he is finishable. I got to go with Chris here. I got to go with my guy, Chris. Honestly, he's diverse. He's got power. John's lack of sort of career effort has me, you know, picking Chris rooting for Chris. I have a money line bet on Chris at, uh, I don't, I think I got a little better at than minus 115. I'll have to double check, but even at minus 115, I think this is a beating. I think Chris wins this fight. Honestly, you look at the picture, you think he's a fat mess. That is just what that dude looks like. And he moves like he's jacked. He has cardio like he's jacked. Like he is not what his body says he is. What do you think, Jakey? Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned the uh, the odds for Chris Barnett. You can get him for plus 105 right now on Bet Online. So you can get him for, for positive money. I, there. I, I did it earlier today. So I probably got something like that. And, and, that, and that was going to be my biggest highlight for this is you guys are looking at Chris Barnett. <laughs> But the way that Volante can win this fight is he has to make it boring because Chris Barnett is the better athlete of the two, and it is not even close. <laughs> this guy is incredible. Listen, this feels like the UFC was saying basically, hey, Chris, we appreciate you taking that fight on short notice. Here's John Volante. You know, I, I honestly feels like it, it, it comes to that to where UFC is like, listen, we, we know that you're the athlete. We want to showcase you a little bit. Let's put you on 268. Here's John Volante. Do whatever you got to do. So I think he's going to be – throwing spinning wheel kicks. He's going to be doing some wild stuff. And I think he finds a finish as well. So I, I, I agree with you. I, these odds seem kind of crazy to me. DraftKings seems a little bit more reasonable because Chris still is a little bit unknown. Uh, but I would say he's a you know, 150, two, two to one favorite in, in my mind. And that $8,300, honestly, is it's really intriguing for, for DraftKings in my mind. I completely agree. I'm going to spend that 8,300 bucks for sure. I think he's worth it. Um, and listen, he there was a period in his career where he did not take the fight seriously or is sorry yeah he didn't take his career seriously he was fighting overseas big sloppy mess fights but things are different now he's in the UFC now he got the call up he's taking it seriously he's spending the time putting in the effort and a motivated chris barnett is a dangerous chris barnett i like the 8300 i also like i don't know if i like the more more i do like more on chris I don't know if I like more on 71. 71's a lot. It seems it seems like these uh odds are splitting more and more. Uh, yeah, he's cards. you can't play both. Up. And honestly, on this one, I, I kind of like the the less more on this. I, I agree. I'll probably do less more as well. I think John will be a step behind on a lot of the striking. Getting 71 in is probably gonna be a little tricky for him. So less more is also my monkey knife fight play. Go to wewantpicks.com slash mkf. Sign up for monkey knife fight. It's a ton of fun. All you gotta do is pick the lines. And then you will go ahead and double your money, triple your money, 25 times your money. One last thing I'll say about the bets. You do not need to stick to one single sports book. They don't care about you. You don't need to have loyalty to them. We do a lot with bet online because they have the best prop bets. And I like to take really close fights and do some of those prop bets. 
to give myself a better, you know, the, the edge and better odds. Frankly, shop them around. We have three different betting partners, Bet Online, Sports Betting, and um, BetUS. The odds are way different between them. Jump in, make a deposit, let me know, I'll give you 50 bucks. But check out the odds, check out the lines, hop in there and make something happen. Throat's giving out on me. Oh, God. <clears throat> Next up, at UFC 268, we have Jordan Williams versus Ian Gary. Jordan Williams, 9-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, coming off of that bad loss to Mickey Gall. Ian Gary. Lock of the week, Mickey Gall. 7-0. 5-0 in his last five. Listen, Jordan Williams, he's a busy striker. He's got lots of power, solid leg kicks, good defensive grappling. He's very tough. He really never stops coming forward. Jordan Williams, he's had a rough go out of it but recently, but he is a legitimately talented fighter, good fighter with some solid skills. Ian is pretty young in his career. Uh, he only has seven fights, but he's he's like literally young. He's young, good-looking, fun to watch, and the UFC is looking for him to get a highlight win here uh, so that they can push him. Honestly, he might. He's a very good striker. He's got crazy hand speed, fantastic footwork. Uh, this is almost like a Paddy Pimblet situation with the sort of British hype coming in on this guy. Uh, I, I do think he's as good as his hype. I, I bought into the Paddy hype. I'm buying into the Ian Gary hype. And I think this would be a good fight when, when breaking down the tape and watching all of Ian's fights, I was impressed. And I honestly, it was just a ton of fun to watch that guy fight. If you dig into the stats, Jordan Williams has a one to one striking differential, which means for every strike he lands, he gets hit. I think Ian's speed will make that much worse than one to one. Uh, I think he'll be a step ahead of Jordan the entire fight. Jordan's only real path here would be to grapple, but he doesn't have the wrestling. <clears throat> Excuse me. He only has a 57% takedown accuracy. And uh, while he does average more than one takedown per fight, this is a little bit of a different fight. I think the speed is going to be an issue here. This fight is closer than the odds. So I do think minus 350 is crazy. This fight is closer than the odds because Jordan does have the ability to get it to the ground. Um, but I think Ian can touch and go on his feet, light up Jordan. The speed is going to be the big difference here. You made some ridiculous facial expressions. What, 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 what are your thoughts? What? I don't know. Obviously a 350 favorite, 9,500 DraftKings. Ian Geary should win the fight. But to me, this feels like a trap. You mentioned how he's 23 years old. When I watch him, he has a lot of fun to watch. He's, you know, hands low, doing whatever he wants, fluid. You can tell he's very confident. You mentioned he's great looking. I found his <laughs> I found his girlfriend's Instagram. She is just unbelievable. If you guys just take a minute, pause the video. Uh, Ian Gary on Instagram, you'll see his girlfriend. She's got her own page, like 300,000 followers. She gained another one today. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, so the thing that I, I do love about Ian Gary is he is very good. If he, if he was still overseas in kind of a, a no-name camp, I, would, I honestly would worry about him in this fight. Because Jordan Williams, you, you mentioned he's 9-5, and five, but he's no joke, and he is tough as hell, man. And he just beat the crap out of a guy <laughs> trying to steal his car. I don't know if you saw that, but the guy started pulling off in his car. He literally ripped him out of the car, threw some knees, and the guy ran off. So Jordan Williams is tough. It, it's going to be no easy task for Ian Gary. But get back to my point I was talking about. He is at Sanford MMA, right? So he's 23 years old, being that young at a camp that good with Usman, with Burns, with all those guys. 
you know, you got to imagine that he's going to come in. I think he's going to go wrestle heavy on Jordan Williams. He might come in and strike, but I think his striking is still a little bit raw. And against Jordan Williams, he could really get caught. So I think he comes in, uses some grappling, uh, Sanford MMA guy. So I, I do think he wins, but there's something about this that just kind of feels like a trap, right? So um, I would pick Ian Gary, but I'm not going to pay the $9,500 for him, and I would not pay uh, 350 odds for, for that man. So. Yeah, I, I agree. This is definitely closer than than these odds makings. Jordan is a, is a genuinely talented guy. This is another fight on the card that has a one and a half round line. So the odds makers think, and it's pretty even. Uh, the odds makers think this will be about one and a half rounds. Listen, Jordan is tough. Ian is sort of new to the UFC. There may be some jitters there. The over might be a solid play. He does have incredible speed, but Jordan is really, really tough. So and, even if you think Ian's going to win, Jordan is tough enough to survive. And I'll so tell you, solid play. yeah, and, and I'll tell you too that um, you mentioned it in that you mentioned it's funny that you mentioned the Patty fight because in that Patty fight immediately it was a DC and maybe Felder were talking about how in his striking and obviously he's more of a grappler than than yeah, Gary. Grappler. In his striking, I, I, I used him for the hype comparison, right, right. But it's I, I'm gonna make a different comparison. In his striking, a lot of it was chin up, just straight back dodging punches and when i'm watching ian gary i don't see a lot of chin down slip and punches i see a lot of backwards chin up and that's why i'm saying you know against jordan williams you better be careful yeah yeah listen definitely a tougher fight than the odds makers think it is but uh i do think ian is sort of being set up for success here i do think he'll pass this test i, I don't i'm not gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do with bets here because he's such a massive favorite but jordan does have a path to victory um I do like the over on round lines. You guys know I hunt out those one and a halves and play the over. This might be one. I I, I, I would love I love that one and a half to me. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm too conservative for my own good. That over one and a half is probably solid. We'll see. I, I might do it after we after we're done recording. We'll see. We on picks.com slash bets. We on picks.com slash MKF. Sign up for something. Help us out. Thank you. Also, everybody watching the live chat, we have limited it to only subscribers. So everybody in the live chat, thank you very much. I know you're a subscriber. <coughs> Sorry, my throat's giving out. Next up, at UFC 268, we have Edmund Shabazian versus Nasruddin Imamov. Edward Shabazian, or Edmund Shabazian, 11-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five, coming off of two grappling-based losses, meaning he lost his last two fights because of grappling issues. Nasruddin Imovov, um, 10-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of a nice KO win. Edmund's a very good striker. He's very well-rounded and uses his kicks incredibly well. He's open to takedowns with his style because he's long, but he plants his feet. Uh, to, to put those strikes out there. His takedown defense is okay at almost 55%, but he will get taken down eventually. And when he's down, he does not have much to offer on the ground. Uh, and he has basically given everybody a blueprint on how to beat him. Uh, Nasruddin Imamov, he's a very good cardio paired with very good grappling. He can strike and counter strike, which means he should be okay with the forward movement of Edmund. Uh, I would say he's more of a grappler but in his last fight, he showed us how improved his striking has become. He has a really nice jab, solid elbows, and he looked very comfortable mixing it all up in his last fight. <coughs> this show's literally going to kill me. 
This is an interesting fight, though, because Edmund is absolutely the better striker, and Nasruddin is the better grappler. Uh, but let's look at the stats. So, um, Nasruddin only has a 22% takedown accuracy. 22% takedown accuracy. And averages less than one takedown per fight. He was one for eight against Jordan Williams, who we just broke down. One for eight. That um, That's what makes this so tricky. Edmund has pretty good takedown defense and lethal striking. Nasruddin needs to get this to the ground to win. And I don't know if he can with only 22% takedown accuracy. I'm going to go with Edmund here. He's at American Kickboxing Academy now. And I have to assume he's working on that takedown defense. All those nasty Dagestanis that we just saw last week are there with, with um, uh, Khabib taking him in and out of there. I just have to assume his takedown defense is improving. And, uh, you know, Nasruddin's path to victory is the grappling. And I think Edmund can keep it at bay. What do you think? Yeah, thank God I I checked the uh, the odds on there because I'm like, there's no way that this is a 350 favorite for Imovov. He is a uh, the graphic is incorrect. It is a a minus 130 for Imovov right. and a plus 110 for for Edmund there. So I was like, oh my God, there is no way because I, I agree. I, I agree with those odds. I agree with uh, not quite with I, the DraftKings is a little bit wider than the odds, and I, I think the odds are a little bit closer than. Than what they would be. Um, yeah, I like Imovov in this fight. Um, I'm gonna be on the opposite side of you because of that, because of the grappling. Edmund obviously is a, a threat with their striking, but you know, Imovov with his competition, if you if you look down the people that he's fought, um, you know, you mentioned the Jordan Williams, he lost the majority decision of Phil Hawes and then Ian Heinish. Uh, I I think I picked Ian Heinish for some last fight and he just absolutely destroyed him. So um you know, I, I like the competition that Imovov has faced. Edmund is no slouch, though, so I would stay away from this completely um, and everything, honestly. But uh, I'm going to go with Imovov on, on this side. Yeah, and I honestly might grab uh, – I might go ahead and grab Edmund at plus money. So uh, I'll update this graphic. So And I will say, too, uh, in their wins between the two of them, they've only ha they only have three decision wins between the two of them. So if, if you're looking for inside the distance, the odds are probably going to be kind of crazy, but um, this is one of those fights probably. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we're split on this one as well. Uh, and certainly, I'm a little nervous because Nasruddin has a very, cl very clear, Edmund showed the whole world the path to victory. So a very clear path um, for Nasruddin. I just, I just don't know if he'll be able to take that path. Uh, what do you think of DraftKings? I mean, I think they're both priced really well. So whatever side you're on, especially as you mentioned, these are not decision fighters. Whatever camp you're in, you should get your money's worth here. Yeah, Edmund seems probably the better value at $7,700, I would say. Even I think Imovov wins, but if you're looking at value-wise, uh, probably that $7,700. Yeah, with the knockout upside. And then Monkey Knife Fight, it's an interesting one. So the reason Nasruddin has 76 is because his grappling, right? He ends up on top. His opponents don't land any strikes, and he can elbow away. I I don't know if he's going to get to 76. Uh, it, it might be less more or... Um, more and more, honestly. It may be a decision with uh, back and forth striking because Nasruddin can strike. We saw it in his last fight. It may be a decision with a bunch of striking and Nasruddin taking bad shots and getting nowhere with him. What do you think of the uh, monkey knife fight line? Yeah, I can see this is starting slow, but if it if it catches that second round, kind of like we saw with the Peter Jan Sanhagen fight where all of a sudden they figure each other out and then it just becomes an absolute war and those strikes add up fast. So I'd probably, probably play the uh, more and more. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. So we'll, we'll see. Um, 
We'll, we'll see what happens with that strike line. That's one that I'm not going to touch. I'll see what the market does to it and then go there. Uh, I do like, you know, uh, I, I like Edmund to hopefully keep this on his feet and make something happen there with his incredible power. Next up at UFC 268, we have Phil Hawes versus Chris Curtis. Phil Hawes, 11 and 2 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. Chris Curtis, 26 and 8 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. And I actually broke this fight down a few weeks ago. Phil Hawes was supposed to fight Darone Wynn, but Wynn dropped out at weigh ins, I think it was. And Chris Curtis stepped up. The reports were that Phil was going to fight Chris. Um, so I did the research, I put out the video, I did all that. And then ultimately, Phil decided not to take the fight. He turned it down, saying that he needed more time to prepare for a last-minute opponent. And honestly, what that tells me, my takeaway from that, is how serious Phil Hawes takes his career. Because he was supposed to fight a smaller guy last minute. It, I mean, it should have been a layup for him as far as the uh, sort of the, the on-the-spot odds were concerned. And Phil was like, nope, let me take a step back. I will choose not to get paid to prepare properly because I take my career that seriously. And and I appreciate him for doing that and and good for him. Instead of chasing a payday and putting himself at risk, he's uh, playing the long game in his career. As you know, Phil has very good wrestling. He's got a ton of power. He's incredibly explosive. He's been working in kicks really well to diversify his striking. Uh, his hands have power, and he looks better every single fight. He is a high-level athlete, and it shows every time he goes out there. His cardio issues seem to be resolved. I mean, he had cardio issues in his last fight. He did not. So let's assume that this fight he also will not. But in that fight against Dawkins, he seemed to have taken care of his cardio issues uh, and, and was coming forward that entire time. Chris Curtis. There's a ton of tape on Chris Curtis. So he's a pretty easy guy to break down, a pretty guy, easy guy to dig into. First of all, he's the real deal. He deserves to be in the UFC. I said this last time. And I'll say it again. I'm glad that he's here. Uh, and I'm glad that at least now it is not a sort of short notice favor. They let him at least get a few weeks in and uh, and show up. Um, he's here because he was willing to step up, but he has a real opportunity uh, and they gave him a few weeks to prepare. He has nice, clean boxing, decent takedown defense, and an improving takedown offense. He's got solid power in his hands, and that was very evident when he won the CES belt. Nice, clean, short punches with crazy power. He works solid kicks. He'll touch up the body. Uh, he takes his time with his shots, but he's always moving his body to stay out of the way or to set something up. We've seen him struggle with pure wrestlers, and if you go to the Magomed, Magomed Karimov fight, you'll see him fade as the fight goes on. He has absolutely no answer for the wrestling or the ground control. He's at Team Kotor. So I have to assume that since that loss, he's been working in, uh, working on his offensive and defensive wrestling. And, uh, you know, listen, I mentioned it. Chris deserves to be here. This is a really tough fight. Phil has power. Phil has uh, the wrestling. Phil should absolutely win this fight. But Chris could potentially stick and move his way to a decision. I think it's going to be tough. But keep in mind, Chris is a welterweight. His career has been at welterweight. When he stepped up on short notice, that was going to be at middleweight. It was literally a couple hours notice. And they did rebook this. They rebooked it at middleweight. So 
you know, it's 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 odd to me that that Chris will still fight Phil and he'll do it at middleweight when he's an actual welterweight. But uh, Jakey boy, that's my rant. What do you think? Yeah, you said Chris uh, has a decent takedown defense. That dude has awful takedown defense. He can't not, he cannot defend a takedown. He's, he is a it depends boxer. what fight you want. Not against the he, Russian. He is a boxer. He's a boxer. <laughs> that's what he is. He's a boxer, and he actually when he fights, you know who who, who he reminds me of is uh, is Tyrone Woodley. As far as a striker, a boxer, because Woodley kind of just sits, 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 sits. Obviously, he got worse as his career go on or went on. But Chris is the same thing. He's he's a boxer, nice, high and tight. But he'll just sit there, man. He'll just sit, sit, pump out a little jab, little jab, and then look for. Actually, I think he's a southpaw, so he pump out a little jab and then look for that big left. Um, and, and that could be an issue for Phil. Listen, if you're Phil Hawes, just wrestle, man. Just wrestle. Get your win. Get out of there. Take You want to take this serious. You don't want to mess around with guys like this because he is a boxer and he does have real power. If you try and strike with this guy, you get clipped a little bit and you're done. You're a 350 favorite. You should win. Just wrestle, man. I'm telling you, Phil, if you try to strike with this guy, it could be a problem. Just wrestle him. Take him down. Control him. Do what you got to do on the ground. Don't strike with them because, as you mentioned, Chris got everyone's got a puncher's chance, and if anyone has a puncher's chance, it's going to be Chris because uh, he's one of those pure boxers. So, Phil, man, just just wrestle, get your <laughs> win, get your payday, get out of there. Three fifty favorite. I'll probably put Phil in my DraftKings for the takedowns, uh, ninety four hundred dollars. But you know, just please, God, man, just please, just wrestle, please, just wrestle. It, it should be a pretty straightforward win. Ninety four hundred dollars is a ton of money, but you know, this this is an interesting card where. Last week, everybody was in the 9,000s. This week, uh, it's not so bad. We have a couple more evenly matched fights, so he may be in there as well. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with the bets here. I don't know if I'll have a bet because, uh, you know, these odds are, you know, massive favorite. It's hard to find uh, spots on some of those. I do like the more and more on Monkey Knife fight. I think both these guys are tough. I think it will go a little bit. I think Chris will get his shots off. I think Phil will entertain the striking. I, I agree with you. He should just straight up grab it, but I think he'll entertain the striking for a little bit. And when he does grab it, he'll be on top. There'll be a ton of strikes there. Uh, so I do think the more and more is a solid play in Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? I think that this is going to be, if Phil does the game plan, I think the first takedown, he's going to get complete control, you know, move the half guard, move the mount, and, and TK on pretty quick. Um, but if he doesn't, you know, Things could get interesting. So in my mind, Phil takes him down, TKOs him in the first round. So I played less, less on this. Um, the only reason, like Chris is tough, man. If you watch that Magomed, Magomed Karimov fight, I freaking nailed that name. This is, this is Phil Hawes, man. You see Phil Hawes with the elbows, the TKO. And I get it, man. He's a naturally much bigger man. Oh, he, is, he is huge. And that is the factor here where Chris, all those fights that I mentioned and that I broke down were welterweight because he's a welterweight. So fighting at, at middleweight here, uh, it must. I, I'm surprised they rebooked this. Honestly, it was one thing when it was short notice. It's a whole different story when it's a last minute thing, uh, or sorry, when you when you have a few weeks to plan. But either way, we on slash bets Jump into a betting promo. Reach out. Let me know that you did, and I'll go ahead and I'll send you fifty bucks as a thank you. Monkey knife fight. I like the more and more. Jacob likes the less less. Let me know what you're gonna do. We on slash mkf. They have a one hundred percent deposit match up to $100. Next up at UFC 268, we have Al Iaquinta versus Bobby Green. Al Iaquinta 14 and 6 overall, 2 and 3 coming off of back-to-back -back losses in his last 5 and a 2-year layoff. 
<coughs> oh boy. <laughs> Bobby Green, 27 and 12 overall, three and two in his last five, coming off of two hard fought decision losses. Listen, I mentioned Ally Quinta is coming back after a two year layoff. Honestly, he's a journeyman with incredible toughness, high school level wrestling, good striking or decent striking, and a willingness to mix it up. He really made a name for himself in his loss to Khabib. He stepped up on like one day notice, uh, took Khabib to a decision. He actually defended a few takedowns, and he left that fight with people being very high on him, as they should have been, right? Like Khabib was an unstoppable force. Ally Quinta took it on one day's notice. And Ally Quinta was an immovable object. Defended it, defended some takedowns, made that fight go to a decision. He got a lot of attention for that. That was sort of his coming out party. People really started looking at him different. Then he went on to beat Kevin Lee, and then he lost two in a row against two good strikers, and we haven't seen him in two years. He's been fighting with the UFC over pay and a million other things. Uh, but this is at MSG. He wanted to fight at MSG, so he is back. And I don't, frankly, know how prepared is he because I thought he was pretty much retired, a real estate agent, feuding with the UFC, and I think he's honestly coming back because it's at Madison Square Garden, uh, and he is a New Yorker. Bobby Green. He's coming off of that awesome fight with Rafael Fizayev, uh, where he stole that last round and looked fantastic. He has that Roy Jones-style boxing with the low hands uh, and the jumping in and out. Um, he's a very good grappler. He's pretty good everywhere. He should have the striking advantage. And with his 72% takedown defense, he should be able to keep it on his feet. Uh, I've really come to like Bobby Green over the last few years. Uh, this should be a fun fight, and I think Bobby's superior striking, Al's willingness to get into a brawl, uh, will be great for us as fans. It'll be really bad for Al, though. Um, both these guys are crazy tough. I see a three-round striking match with Bobby getting his hand raised, being on the right side of a lot of these exchanges. I think the odds are correct. I think everything on this screen is, is pretty accurate. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think Bobby absolutely dominates this fight. He looked fantastic. You mentioned that Fiziev fight. He, I think he almost got like a finish in the third round. Fiziev was dead tired. He's chasing him around the octagon. And Bobby hasn't had a finish since like 2013 or something. Something crazy. He's got all these decisions. But there's something that tells me, and I've been looking at the odds, I, I feel like he's going to get a finish versus Ali Quinta. You mentioned we don't know what Ali uh, Quinta has been doing. I think he comes and tries to wrestle heavy. I honestly think, you know, people forget about Bobby Green, his jiu-jitsu skills. You know, I'm looking at these submission, round one submission plus 3,500, round two submission plus 4,000, round three submission plus 4,500. I think there's some, you know, you mentioned Ally Quinta is a, you know, a wrestler but doesn't have the high-level wrestling. I think there's some sloppy shots. I think there's a guillotine there. I think there's something there that Bobby can grab um, and get a submission win. So, you know, I, I'm looking at these odds. I'm probably going to throw some money at some of that. I like Bobby all the way in this. Whether even if it doesn't get a finish, I think he absolutely dominates his fight. He looked fantastic his last fight, and he's a he's a good fighter, man. So I, I'm on your side as well. I like Bobby all the way. Yeah, I like Bobby. He'll be in my lineup. Um, you're saying you think there's a finish here, so you you like the less less than Monkey Knife fight then. You know, I, they're both just so freaking tough, dude. right? None of these guys really get fit, you know finishes on the offensive side. Neither one of them really get finished on the defensive side. So I think the safe play is definitely more and more on this. I I, I just see these odds, and I'm like, you know, plus four thousand, plus two thousand. You know, it's hard to ignore stuff like that sometimes. I I can ignore it, no problem. I think you have the issue ignoring those crazy numbers because I push them off to the side every single week. So uh, it should be a fun fight. Um, 
you know, I, I think in all likelihood, maybe less more because 106 is a lot and Al may be shooting a ton. Um, so maybe less more, but I do think it's a decision and I do think it's pretty high volume on, on both sides. Cause they're super, super tough. The big question mark here is not who's going to win. Cause I think that's pretty clear. It is what has Ally Aquinta been doing for the last two years. Cause like I said, he was pretty checked out in the UFC feuding with them publicly became a real estate agent and had absolutely no intention in fighting. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they're at Madison Square Garden and he's on the card. And I, I, I feel like it may be a bucket list thing. Like, oh, they're at MSG. I have to do it. And less of a, uh, you know, let me get my career back on track thing. So we'll see what happens. Wheelpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. Let me know. And I'll send you 50 bucks cash at PayPal, however you want it. Next up at UFC 268, we have Alex Pajeda versus Andreas Michaelitis. Alex Pajeda, Three and one in his career, three and one in his last five. Andreas Michaelitis, 13 and four in his career, four and one in his last five. Alex is a very high level kickboxer. He's famous for knocking out Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. And if you've been following our channel, you've seen our videos of Alex making predictions in the past. We've had videos sent to us by Alex making predictions, picking fights, and things like that. Um, because Alex has been training with our buddy Glover in Connecticut for quite some time. Um, before we dig into the breakdown, I just want to give a quick uh, anecdote. Dan's not here because he's flying back from Abu Dhabi. Um, but Dan did go to Connecticut, I don't know, what was it, a couple months ago. Spent some time with Glover, went to Glover's gym, was training with Glover, and put in a few rounds with Alex Pajeda. And his takeaway... And you can also get this if you watch the Glover interview we did two weeks ago. His takeaway from that was, holy crap, is Alex Pajeda strong and does Alex Pajeda have power? And he said it's not even just the power in the striking. Literally everything that guy does is heavy and loaded with power. Dan said he has phenomenal takedown defense. I'm not – listen, I'm not trying to give away any secrets or ruin anything or – or talk about what happened in the gym. So I'll leave it there. But Dan put in some rounds with Pajeda, said he's absolutely the real deal. I mean, the odds makers think so as well. But the big question mark is, what is Pajeda's takedown defense? And Dan sort of vouched for it in real life, putting in a round or two. Uh, Alex is exactly as good of a striker as you would expect in the beat. He's got great leg kicks, great body kicks, great power. Everything is well-timed, well-distanced. Uh, and the big question, as I mentioned, with any of these high-level strikers is, will the takedown defense hold up? What does the grappling look like? All I can say is I, I know he's got good takedown defense. He's been putting in work with Glover and that whole Connecticut crew. Dan felt it firsthand, vouched for it. He's a hard guy to take down. Andreas Michaelitis, he's a decent striker. He's got a grinding style. He'll work his way inside with the big looping overhand strikes. Then he'll try to drag you to the mat. Uh, everything he throws does have a lot of power, but they come from really far away, which will leave openings for Alex to exploit. I got to go with Alex here. The power, the technique, the range, um, the takedown defense that I've been hearing about. Michaelitis isn't even exactly a wrestler. He does grapple when he can, but he's not really a wrestler. So I got to go with Connecticut here. Alex Pajeda, Jakey boy, there's no way you're going to disagree with this pick. 
What are you? No, thoughts? you mentioned he's not really a wrestler, but he better figure it out because you're not going to win a striking match versus Pajeda. And as you mentioned, it is Adesanya learned that firsthand. You know, it's kind of funny about that is that fight. I think he knocked him out twice, uh, two fights. No, but... he beat him twice, one knockout, one decision. Okay, so the one that he flatlined him, and you see the picture, or whatever. It's actually kind of funny because right before that. Adesanya was beating the hell out of Pajeda. Like, it was like going in for the finish. And you could tell Adesanya got caught because he was really just laying in. He doesn't do that anymore, obviously. I mean, he learned a valuable lesson. And you might be able to say that Pajeda made Adesanya what he is today because, you know, he got a little cocky, a little confident, came in a little heavy, and Pajeda caught him and flatlined him. So uh, Pajeda is definitely the, the play on, the, on this fight. I worry about if he is in the striking, they might get a little too confident, a little hands down because, you know, he's kind of a showman in, in, that, in that way. So... Um, that, that's the only thing that might worry me, but if he sticks to the game plan, just does what he does, defends on takedowns, he should dominate this fight. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that he is a 255 because, you know, Michaelitis kind of has a resume behind him and he is a decent striker. Um, but that last fight versus KB Bowler, you know, we were all saying that Michaelitis was just going to run <laughs> through KB Bowler. KB Bowler shouldn't be in the UFC. You he's, know, not any, he's not anymore. And yeah. He, he, and he was just, look, he looked like it was going to be the most lopsided thing you've ever seen. And they went tit for tat with each other. So Michaelitis did not look great against KB Bowler. He should have dominated that fight. And now you're moving up from KB Bowler, who's here on striking, to Pajeda, who's you know top level striker. So this could get ugly. Uh, I like Pajeda all the way. Yeah, it's um, and and listen, there there is a storied history of these phenomenal kickboxers coming to the UFC and then getting knocked out because these are smaller gloves. The defense is very different than kickboxing. It, it is very different. So we have seen that happen in the past. I don't think that'll happen here um, because lots of times when that happens, these kickboxers are just like at the way tail end of their career, way over the hill, super old, then transition to MMA. And that's not, yeah, Alex Pajeda just fought a kickboxing match a month ago. So he is not, he, he's still actively competing, actively having success. So I like Pajeda here. So do you, $9,100, I, I, I might spend it just for the knockout upside. We'll see what happens. I do actually like the more and more on the Mikey Knife Fight strike line. I don't think this is necessarily a two-second knockout because Pajeda is the kickboxing champion. I do think this may go a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think more and more is probably the play. I think um, you could see that, but you know, I think it's safer play is probably more and more. Yeah, I, I, I like the more and more. Uh, I think everybody just assumes Alex Pajeda is going to get a wild knockout, and he's got power, but Michaelitis is not a bum. He's not a bum. And and I was shocked. So we talked about this. Dan told us that UFC signed Alex Pajeda before it was announced and told us the opponent before it was announced. And then we talked about it. I remember the first thing we said was like, that's a tough, that's a surprising outing. Like um, he needs a John Vellante. Give Alex Pajeda a John Vellante to showcase his skills. Like Michaelitis is, is tough. The odds are wide, but I'm pretty confident Pajeda will get this done. He's He's obviously doing the right things at the right camp, making things happen. Next up, at UFC 268, we have the opening fight of the main card. We have Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Chito Vera. Frankie Edgar, 24-9 and nine overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, coming off of that really bad KO loss to Sanhagen about eight months ago. Marlon Vera, 19-7 overall, Three and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Frankie is the epitome of Jersey Tough. He's the former lightweight champion of the world. He has had absolute wars with Gray Maynard, BJ Penn, Jose Aldo, and almost everybody 
in those lighter weight classes. Similar to Glover, he seems we've seen him like 90% knocked out and then just claw his way back to life and then pull off the win either by knockout or just come out the next round like nothing ever happened. He's, again, insanely tough. He spent the majority of his career at 155 but cut zero weight. He was always a smaller guy who relied on his speed. Uh, he relied on his boxing skills and his footwork to set up takedowns and his in-and-out style boxing. Uh, his feet never stopped moving. He is starting to show his age. This fight is at 135, uh, and this is where he has been in his last few fights, um, trying to sort of restart his career, hoping to have more success later in life. Marlon Vera, Muay Thai striker. He likes to fight ugly. He uses all eight of his limbs. You've heard me say that before. That's sort of a, a Muay Thai mantra there. Nine for me. Elbows, knees, hands, and feet for a pretty versatile attack style. Um, and to round out his dangerous striking, he also has legitimate submissions and is a submission threat inside the cage with an iron jaw. He's got a ton of stoppage upside and finishes. Marlon Vera is absolutely the real deal. Listen, Frankie is better. You're not going to pick against your boy. It sounds like you're going to pick against your boy. Frankie, he's my boy because we're both Italian from the Northeast. Frankie. You love, no, you love Frankie. I know you love Frankie. <laughs> I do love Frankie. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to hide it. Frankie is better everywhere. His footwork is better. His wrestling is better. His cardio is better. What? No, I said 10 years ago. Go ahead. Sorry. His footwork's better. His cardio is better. Um, his wrestling is better. His boxing is probably better, but uh, his chin is not better. And and that can be the real issue at this fight. At, at his core, Frankie Edgar is a Jersey wrestler. If you don't know about wrestling, Jersey and Pennsylvania produce the best wrestlers in the country. Arkansas. Don't mention Arkansas. I don't even Arkansas know. Arkansas wrestling. Jersey and Pennsylvania, and he is a true Jersey wrestler. I know he's out there staving with, training with Steve Rivera, putting in the wrestling rounds. And if he's going to go out there and wrestle, and I and I could be confident in that, and he's going to go to his roots, Frank Edgar is the pick 100% of the time, even though Marlon Vera has a 69% takedown defense. Nice. I, I just the, – the pick is so tough here because I don't trust Frankie's chin. If Frankie is going to go out there and wrestle, Frankie's the pick every day, all day, no problem. If he's going to mix it up with his boxing where he has had success in the past, but he is too old to be mixing it up, then Marlon Vera will find him and will probably catch him. I, I, on my spreadsheet here, I have a check mark next to Frankie Edgar. I'm ride or dying with Frankie Edgar. I, I have to hope and assume of the week. That, that he will go out there with a wrestling game plan. He just watched Glover at 42 years old, avoid the big strikes, implement some grappling, and actually Glover got it done with a big left hook. But Hopefully he saw that and said, I need to wrestle and he's going to wrestle. I, I got Frankie here. I don't know what to do with the bets because his chin, his chin straight up worries me. It's almost similar to last week with Lerone Murphy and Amir Khani, where Amir Khani had incredible success in round one and then just was absolutely flatlined in round two. Frankie's the pick, man. Got to stick with my, with my people. What are your thoughts? 
Well, Vera's the pick here. The only thing I really have in my in my notes, as you mentioned, is obviously the takedowns from Frankie. You got to wrestle. You got to be smart about that because 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 Cheeto is no joke in his jujitsu as well, and he is long. So even in his guard, he'll throw up some wild stuff that Frankie's got to be careful about because Frankie's kind of one of those short, stubby guys like yourself. Um, and then I have uh, leg kicks too. I, I think that you can really you know chew up that front leg of Cheeto. He likes to be heavy on that when the striking. I think you throw some leg kicks. You mix that in with the takedowns. And Frankie's got an outside chance to sneak out a, an ugly decision. But I think the play is Cheeto all the way. I'm glad he didn't mention the Sean O'Malley thing. He was not going to win that fight against Sean O'Malley, okay? He was going to get destroyed by Sean O'Malley. I watched the fight not 10 minutes ago. Sean O'Malley was going to dominate that fight. But Cheeto Vera is the play versus Frankie Edgar. Um, I, I, he's just on the upswing of his career, I think. Uh, I think he's going to get some going a little streak here. And it, it starts with uh, Frankie Edgar. I like Marlon Vera on this. And listen, and, and let's just very quickly, not to trash. And it's crazy too. First of all, it's crazy too. Cheeto, to to me, in my mind, is like a 35, 36-year-old guy. The guy's 28 years old. So, I mean, he's still got – he's still there, man. Let's put it this way. I, I mean, and, and I feel like people need some perspective here because everybody is on the Marlon Vera train. Oh, Frank Yeager's washed up. Yeah, he was knocked out in like 30 seconds. Honestly, getting knocked out in 30 seconds says less about you than getting knocked out in five minutes. There was no fight to see. It was a leaping, jumping knee to the chin. He's a little older. It caught him. But take a real look at Cheeto Vera. Are you picking Cheeto Vera because of him and his skill set or because you don't trust Frank Yeager? The reality is... I think, I think I think Cheeto's a very good fighter. I think he's a very good fighter. Dude, he's alternating wins and losses, and one of those wins is the nonsense one against Sean O'Malley. Like I yeah, just, the other ones were versus Yadong Song and Jose Aldo. And it was a decision versus Jose. So well, that's, and that's because styles make fights. And that was an interesting style. And I guarantee if he fought Jose Aldo today, the same way Jose Aldo just fought, uh, who did he fight? Shane or, um, what's his name? It'd be very different. Listen, oh, I, I, I think Marlon Vera is getting more love and attention than he should for being 19 and seven. He should be 18 and eight. That's a lot of love, a lot of attention. With that being said, Frankie's chin is the big question mark here. So if Marlon Vera knocks him out cold, I get it. Frankie's a little older, but I can't see Marlon Vera winning a decision against Frankie Edgar. Frankie's a better grappler. Frankie has the better movement. Frankie's got better cardio. He's not a better grappler. He's a better wrestler. He, yeah, okay, you're right. Better wrestler, but his defensive grappling, you're not submitting Frankie Edgar. It's not going to happen. I don't care what you're throwing up. Anyway. DraftKings, it sounds like you're good with $8,800 because you think you'll get a stoppage? Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> oh. Because, I mean, there is the wrestling. I mean, there Isn't is the wrestling. Isn't that interesting? Look how quickly the house crumbles. No, I mean, there is I mean, there is the wrestling threat, and Marlon Vera is not a dynamic striker enough to withstand, you know, the wrestling. If he was just this knockout artist like crazy, I wouldn't care about Frankie's wrestling. But he's not, you know, he could be heavy on that, left, that lead foot. You knock it down a little bit. You get a couple takedowns, but... I don't see it happening, but you know, it is Frankie. And you mentioned he is, you know, Jersey tough. So All right, there we go. Well, that crumbled very quickly. So I obviously like Frankie at 7,400 bucks. Uh, what do you think of this <coughs> monkey knife fight line? Uh, seems like a lot of strikes because neither one of them is really a, a volume guy. And if you mix in takedowns too, because those takedowns aren't going to be easy in my mind. So it could be some grinding on the cage. I probably played the less, less. It's a tough line because Frankie is kind of a volume guy. Dude, his feet never stop moving. He's just always throwing one, two, step to the left. Yeah, one, you don't two, punch with your feet. To the right. 
So he's always moving. Um, if the round line, somebody just said the round line is one and a half. If the round line is one and a half, I'm hitting the over on that round line for sure. I'm not sure if that's the round line though. If it is, I'm slamming the over unless it's like minus 200. But uh, I do think this goes a little bit. Listen, Frankie getting knocked down 30 seconds says nothing about anybody. Marlon Vera is not going to do a wild flying knee and catch that. So Frankie know. in five rounds versus Holloway only landed 96 total strikes. Okay. And was well, one for 15 on takedowns. Ugh. Yeah, that is not great. Good stat. So maybe the less, less. I, I, it is a tough round line. I do think it goes. Um, and against Cub Swanson in a three round fight, he only landed 60. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. So those are our picks. We'll go ahead and uh, play this one out. This may be a good live odds type situation. See if you know what that movement looks like for Frankie. You're the you're the streak guy. Win loss, win loss. He just won. He's due for a loss. Either way, we'll see what happens. And before I move on to the next fight, uh, commenter respect is earned. You are 100% wrong. Bet Online's three-round fights are not always one and a half. Go there right now, and there's a ton of them that are two and a half. Next up, at UFC Vegas 268, we have Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantillo. Shane Burgos, 13-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in his last five, coming off back-to-back losses. Billy Quarantillo, 16-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. And I've, I've made this exact comment before, and I will make it again for this fight. If you have a sports book that will take a fight of the night bet, prop bet, let me know. I will hit it for this fight. I think this is going to be absolute fireworks. Shane is a very good boxer who marches forward with high volume and pressure. He'll stay in the pocket. He will take one to give one. And what makes him so effective is not only his chin and pressure, but he invests in the body and wears his opponents down as well. Unfortunately, though, I don't expect Shane to have a very long career because he gets hit a ton. He absorbs over six significant strikes per minute, which is close to the close to double the average fighter in the UFC. He has an 89% takedown defense, which I think might honestly get tested in this fight. Billy Quarantillo. He's a very good grappler. He's got solid striking, incredible aggression. Uh, his striking is not nearly as technical as Shane's, but he is actually the more effective striker according to the, the stats. His strikes are 14% more accurate than Shane's, and he is hit far less. Ultimately, Billy has a weird striking style and fantastic BJJ, um, but that's what we want to focus on here, and that's what he's going to want to focus on here is getting it to the ground and utilizing that jujitsu because Shane is dangerous. We have two guys who only know how to move forward, two guys who are really good strikers, two guys with great cardio. This is absolutely a recipe for Friday the night. I, I, I very narrowly am going to side with Shane here because even though Billy has the better striking stats, at this point in his career, Shane's chin is still holding up. Uh, he has insane volume. He should get the better of the exchanges. Uh, Billy does have a backup plan with the grappling. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do anything with it. Both Charles Rosa and Amir Akani were able to take Shane down, and both of those guys did nothing with those takedowns and were ultimately knocked out. 
I got to lean Shane Burgos here, but I am actually a giant Billy Quarantillo fan. And, and this may be a really solid underdog spot here. What do you think? I am a big Shane Burgos fan. I love Shane Burgos. I've always loved Shane Burgos. Listen, he fought Barbosa. That was probably the best Barbosa may have, maybe it ever looked. Obviously, there wasn't really no threat for the grappling. So Barbosa was just able to light him up with the leg. The leg kicks were crazy. And you mentioned he just, Shane actually got destroyed that first hand. There was like five or six times where he was like, looked like he was out on his feet and then just like focused back up and he's good to go. That's why I think that led to like the delayed reaction with that KO in the, in the third round where he was just kind of like stumbled back. But I think that honestly, I think that you mentioned the, the grappling with Billy Quarantillo. I, I like his takedowns. Uh, Shane Burgos also black belt himself. He has submission wins. I think that this can turn into a grappling match. I, I, I think that Shane realized at this point in his career with that last fight, that bad KO comes in. I think maybe he even tries to you know, do some offensive grappling. Billy, I think that he doesn't mind with the grappling. I could see this turning into a grappling match instead of a striking match. Um, obviously, it could stay standing, and Shane could be his, you know, technical. I'm glad you mentioned the body shots. His body, when he digs in the body, it's just like unreal. And those could pay off in the later rounds if it makes the later rounds. I honestly didn't think that this is going to turn into a grappling match, which is still going to be exciting. Um, but I also I'm leaning Shane. Even it, ter- it turns into a grappling match. People see Shane as this like power guy, this boxer, this striker, but he is no slouch in, in the grappling as well. So um, even if this goes to the grappling, I still like Shane. If it stays standing, I definitely like Shane. Um, I'm Shane all the way. You know, at nine thousand, I don't know if I love that nine thousand mark for for DraftKings um, with Billy's ability to get the takedown and be that offensive grappler and that offensive wrestler. So I probably stay away from it in DraftKings, but I love my boy Shane and I'm going Shane all the way. Yeah. So uh, I, I pick Shane as well. I'm, you know, I think it's a, it's a close fight. I think Billy is a super live underdog, but. Um, and, and I'll say, and I'll say too, if this goes late in the rounds, the the further this goes, I like Shane more and more and more because I, I like those body shots. And if you look at Billy late in his fights, a lot of times his hands are low. He starts to get a little bit sloppy. Where you watch Shane, even then that Barbosa fight where he was just getting the, the crap beat out of him, he stays high, he stays nice and tight, and he's still got a ton of power in those hooks and those tight little shots that he throws. So the longer this goes, I like Shane more and more and more as this fight goes on. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an awesome, awesome fight for sure. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a straight up war. Um, we talked about DraftKings. You, you you love Shane. You don't know about the nine thousand. Um, you know, I think I think even Billy, if you're on the Shane side, I think Billy is still worth seventy two hundred bucks. He will put in some work. He'll come forward, uh, and it should be a, a, a decent fight. Look at the strike lines: one thirty one to one twelve, and that is just indicative of these guys and their body of work and the numbers that they put up. So. Listen, I, I can't in my right mind say more and more on a line that looks like that for three rounds. I just can't do it. So I'm going to say less, less here. Maybe there's a stoppage somewhere. Uh, two forward pressure guy. I mean, 131, 112 in three rounds. That's crazy. I'm I'm very confident in the less, less here. What do you think? Less, less. Yeah, I mean, that's even in a decision. Like, that's just crazy. Like, those numbers are nuts. And especially if you look at Shane... Yeah, maybe he's put up numbers similar to that in fights against strikers. He's now fighting somebody who's probably going to try to take him down. That will suck some of the strikes out of both of these guys. So less, less. Hit that line before it moves because they do move with the money. We want picks.com slash MKF. Make a deposit. They will match it. Use the free match money if you want. Then go to we want slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit there. 
let me know, and I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up, at UFC 268, we have Justin Gagey versus Michael Chandler. Justin Gagey, 22-3 and three overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off of that loss to Khabib. Michael Chandler, 22-6 and six overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, coming off the loss to Oliveira. Both these guys coming off of losses to the lightweight champion, just different lightweight champions. Um, this is an interesting fight, and hopefully it stays together because earlier there were completely unsubstantiated rumors that Michael Chandler tested positive for COVID. I, listen, I'm not going to say who messaged me saying Michael Chandler has COVID. I sent it to some people without double-checking. Turns out the whole thing was a complete farce and just absolute satire nonsense. And that's how rumors get started when you share links based on the headline and not reading the article. My bad for perpetuating that rumor. Justin. I accept a, your apology. Yeah, I, I, you are one of the people I sent it to. Uh, Justin Gagey is a wrestler who doesn't use wrestling. In fact, he has zero takedowns in the UFC despite having college wrestling experience. Uh, he has power, but he's actually more of a volume guy. He relies on his own chin a lot. He marches forward, throws heavy. He will stay in your face, and he loves ugly fights. He thrives in that chaos. He struggles against guys who can keep it technical. Poirier, for example, had nice, clean, technical striking, and he was able to be a step ahead of Justin the entire time. Justin almost needs a war to really shine. Michael Chandler has only had two fights in the UFC, but he has an entire career of championships and champion-level fights in Bellator and Strikeforce. His Eddie Alvarez trilogy is one of the best trilogies in combat sports. Chandler um, is a very good wrestler who likes to strike. He has a ton of power, solid pressure. He's got real no kicking game at all, but he is a threat for the takedowns and does use his wrestling uh, if we look at his very short UFC career, he knocked out Dan Hooker super quick. Then he won uh, the first round against Oliveira, but was finished in the second round. And he honestly, even had Oliveira in a little bit of trouble in that fight. The rest of these fights are hard to pick. This one included. Uh, this is a great matchup. I think this fight comes down to Justin's chin. I think Jan Chandler will have success early. He will get to Justin's chin but he'll start to fade. He'll start to gas. He'll start to slow down. He'll start to lose that power. Um, and if Justin's chin holds up and he can get into a rhythm of the over seven significant strikes per minute that he averages, he will break Chandler. If I was positive that Michael Chandler would wrestle, then this would be a very easy pick. But I can't be sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to pick Chandler. And it goes again, like my mouth and head are saying Chandler and my body are like, no, why are you doing that? But I am going to pick Chandler. There's a ton of variables. Ultimately, the wrestling threat, the power in his hands, and the fact that Justin just gets hit so much has me leaning Chandler. Eventually, Justin's chin is going to give up. It cannot take the damage it's been taking. But what are your thoughts here? My opinion is going to be very unpopular. And I realize that, and I am ready for the backlash because Michael Chandler is going to absolutely destroy and embarrass Justin Gagey. Destroy and embarrass Justin Gagey. Listen, Justin Gagey, 
Very tough guy. You mentioned it. He's got the power. But if you start looking at his wins and losses, you mentioned that Eddie Alvarez, he lost. Dustin Poirier, his first fight against Michael Johnson, he was losing that fight. He came back and won. Then it's James Vick, Barbosa, Cowboy. The Tony fight, he was flatlined at the end of the second round. If Tony had 10 more seconds, he loses that fight. He never even gets to fight Khabib. Obviously, he fought Khabib and lost. So there's a lot. Of, there's a couple wins in there. They're actually, you know, they, they, they count as wins. And he did win, and obviously he looked fantastic against Tony after the you know after the second round and stuff. But there were some moments in there. You mentioned the chin against Michael Chandler. I, I'm glad you mentioned the wrestling. Gagey, if, if if he would wrestle, you know, I think that he would have a longer career. He's not interested in it. He wants to be the prize guy, and good for him. He's getting those fights. Everyone loves Justin Gagey. Oh, he and, dude couldn't be more fun to watch. Right, Could be right. a better guy. Exactly, and I have nothing against Gagey. I think he's an awesome person, but Chandler. I think he's just, I think he's bluffing, right? So Chandler says this is going to be an absolute war of violence. We're going to meet in the middle. I think Chandler shoots a takedown inside of 30 seconds. He uses wrestling because he's a guy that was a Missouri wrestler that coaches wrestling still, all the pros. He's coaching the pros. He uses the wrestling. I think he comes in, says, you know, screw this. I want a title shot. I don't want, I don't want to be the guy that's the, the knockout guy. I don't want to be on Justin Gagey's highlight. I want a title shot. I know what I'm here for. I'm going to have the game plan. I think he comes in, wrestles heavy. Uh, he saw what Khabib was able to do to Gagey. Obviously, Chandler's not quite on that level, but he is a very, very good wrestler. I think he can control Gagey, control the fight completely, and I cannot believe that Gagey's a two-to-one favorite on this. Another point I'll add, which doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of funny, on the embeddeds, when they go back and forth, because there's been a lot of Chandler and a lot of Gagey on the embeddeds, so it starts off with Chandler. I can't remember what he's – oh, he's, I think he's just in the – you know, he's just, he's just training, right? He's in there. He's hitting pads. He's doing this. The first highlight they show of Gagey, he's in there with Usman, with Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman's with Usman Rose and, and Gagey. Gagey does a handstand. He's trying to hit the speed bag with his feet. He's doing weird stuff. The next day, Chandler's in his garage with the humidifier in it, sweating on a bike. Gagey's out golfing, having a good time. So that's kind of a personality <laughs> between the two guys. Nothing against Gagey. Obviously, he's still working hard. He's he's done what he needed to do to get to this point. But I'm all Michael Chandler all the way. I know people love Gagey. I think Chandler absolutely dominates his fight um, and gets that title shot. I think he's got a real shot to win the title. So I'm not nearly as high on Chandler as you are. So I do think Chandler wins his fight, but I'm very realistic uh, at, at with Chandler's chin. And I, mean, I and I already been, put money on on Chandler too. That plus, that plus I think it was one sixty five. They've even moved even more. I, I put money on them. Yeah, I mean, I just Chandler's chin does worry me. Obviously, and we just saw it. We have an issue, right? In his last fight, he had an issue with his chin. He's been in wars, but so has Justin. And Justin hasn't been put out yet like that. But eventually, that chin's got to go. Uh, again, I'm signing with Chandler because of the wrestling. I, I spent a tiny bit of time with Justin Gagey because he fought Nick Newell, the other person of the show that hasn't been here in a while. Well, he illegally need Nick Newell in the head and then won the fight. Well, he fought Nick. So we bumped into each other in the elevator and a few other places. Guy could not be nicer. Like he knew I was part of Nick's camp. Saw him in the elevator. He's like, Hey, good luck, man. Nick's a great guy. Good luck for no, I didn't say hi to him. I'm just standing in the elevator. So dude couldn't be nicer. His whole team is full of great people. Justin's and I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't even know if I mentioned it, but that, that's the lock of the week. Chandler Chandler is the lock of the week. I think he dominates. That's the lock of the week. We're coming off the Amanda Hebos. We got Jacob Rebos, you know, the ultimate lock I of the week. I just noticed that that was your <laughs> So we're, so we're going to uh, the double, you know, ultimate lock of the week. Michael Chandler gets it done. Anyway, so obviously we both love Chandler at 7,300. What I will say is if you're in the Gagey camp, and you think Gagey just absolutely flatlines Michael Chandler, which is a possibility. 
Um, I, I, Justin Gage is a great price at $8,900. Great price at $8,900 for sure. So, um, monkey knife fight. It, it's a, it's a really good line because if Justin wins, it will likely be a, a good amount of volume until he wears out Michael Chandler's chin and puts him out. If Michael Chandler wins, he's going to catch him and that's it. Maybe he'll mix in the wrestling because what people aren't factoring in here. And I'm, I'm seeing the live chat right now. Everybody is on Justin minus two people. And first of all, you guys drive me nuts with the whole, actually literally what Jacob just did drives me nuts. This is going to happen. And you're an idiot. If you think anything else, that's ridiculous. This first of all, it's a fist fight. Second of all, Khabib just showed everybody how to beat Justin. You just take him down. Dude is useless on the ground. Shockingly useless on the ground. Michael Chandler can take Justin down. Now, is he going to follow Khabib's game plan, tuck his chin, get those takedowns in there? If that's what he's going to do, this is his fight, period, end of story. Period. But if he's going to mix it up on his feet, he could be on the wrong end of some of the big Justin power shots on the wrong end of Justin's volume and find himself in some trouble. Yeah, and, and, people, and people too are screaming Trevor. I already mentioned the Trevor Whitman, but that, that is no joke when you have Trevor Whitman in your corner. Sure, because, he's a great coach. he has... Because he is uh, game plan heavy, and he's gonna have he's gonna have a game plan. But Justin's one of those guys that doesn't. You don't need a game plan for Michael Chandler. Literally, the game plan is touch his chin. Right, but Gagey's like, not- one of those guys too that doesn't really stick to the game plan once he's in there, right? Because he saw against Khabib, there was a game plan. He kind of blew his load. He wasn't supposed to throw those power shots that he was throwing. He can get a little over anxious in there. So, yeah, I mean it's Trevor Whitman, but it's also Justin Gagey. He kind of does what he wants. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. It's a very interesting fight. Literally, whatever side you're on, these numbers are great. If you are on the Justin Gagey side and you're screaming, this is going to be a knockout, then spend the minus 195. That should be a guarantee. Spend the $8,900 in DraftKings. That should be a guarantee. And, um, you know, you can pick the more or less if you think there's a stoppage. If you're on the Chandler slide, then those those numbers are no-brainers. Put your money where your mouth is. This is a really interesting fight. This is a super Tough fight to pick. Don't let Jacob's bravado fool you. This is a very, very Lock tough of the fight week. to pick. And I'm looking forward to it. We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up, hit one of these lines, make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I will send you $50. Next up at UFC 268, we have the strawweight women's division rematch. We have Rose Nama Yunus versus Wei Li Zhang. Rose 10 and 4 overall, 4 and 1 in her last five. Wei Li 21 and 2 overall, also 4 and 1 in her last five. And obviously, this is a rematch of their title fight earlier this year. Both women are very good strikers with similar styles. This is Rose's second run as the champion. She lost her belt the first time when she was dumped on her head by Jessica Andrade. Um, then obviously, she won the title back with her spectacular knockout of Wei Li in April. Rose is a very good fighter. She's very good everywhere. She's definitely the more well-rounded fighter between the two. She has excellent striking, very good wrestling, solid BJJ. She's got great footwork and deceiving power. Rose is, she's like, she's the complete package that just like continues to get ignored. And I am in that camp. I even she's, while the, she's down, the best 10 and four fighter in the entire world. It's crazy that she's 10 and four. It, it is a good way to word it. Cause she spent half of her career as a journeyman. And then half of her career is like, Oh, you're one of the best women to do this. It's, it's crazy. And listen, I am in the camp of not appreciating how good Rose actually is. I'll, I'll be honest. 
Uh, Waitley is also a striker, uh, but more of a boxer than a kickboxer. She's got a low kick she throws out there, but that's about it as far as her feet are concerned. Uh, she's coming off that head kick knockout. Uh, but before that, she won one of the greatest title defenses in the history of time against Joanna Jerzejczyk. Whaley has a ton of power. Uh, she's never been taken down in the UFC. She's lost uh, the first matchup with that snapping head kick from Rose that snuck in. And I think this time around, she should be acutely aware of her head movement and hand placement. This is a hard fight to pick. Both women are strikers, but Rose will work in the kicks where Wei Li will work in the power. It's a rematch, but there isn't a ton to take away from the first one because it was it was honestly uneventful until the knockout. Almost nothing happened, then there was a knockout. So there wasn't a ton to take away from it. <coughs> uh, I'm leaning towards Wei Li here, honestly. Uh, I think she'll make the adjustments. She'll protect her chin. I think she'll push the pace in this fight. I see her being more engaging with Rose and leaning into the power. I see her keeping it out of kicking range, more in the you know traditional boxing range. Um, and Whaley is definitely the more technical, pure boxer. And I see her keeping that in the range. If Rose gets in trouble, she can try to go to a wrestling, but Whaley's defense is too good. And I know I just said, uh, you know, I don't appreciate how good Rose is and she is phenomenal. I just feel like there's just something about Wei Li and her power and her determination. That last fight, I wish we had more. I wish that happened in the third round. So there was more to break down, more to look at, more to see, uh, and to go from there. So we'll see. What are your thoughts, Jacob? Yeah, I'm I'm never gonna bet I'm never gonna bet against Rose again, man. I think she's burned me so many times. I I, I love Rose. I, you know, she's got great abilities, and I keep betting against her. I'm not doing it anymore. I put a money line bet on her, like a two unit bet. I, I I even put so I put a submission win on her too because Wei Lee leading up to this can has been real heavy with uh, Henry Cejudo. I think people in, in the chat have, have mentioned it before um, or mentioned it as well. So I think she comes in. It's kind of interesting that she switched. Didn't I guess she didn't switch all the way, but she's really trying to lay into this wrestling because I think that that head kick. I think she was even in that that short, you know, the exchange that they had. She she knows his Rose's length. I think she she wants to have that backup plan. I think she comes in, tries to grapple uh, Rose, and she's not a you know a, a a natural grappler. So I think she makes a mistake. Rose is very good in her jujitsu. So I put a submission bet on that. Uh, I think it's striking. I think that you gotta go way Lee, way Lee, but I think that I think that there's some grappling in here. I think it's a, a totally different fight. Um, I think the main events the same way as well. We'll, we'll, we'll go to that eventually, but uh, I think it's a totally different fight. I, 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 but I still think Rose just pulls out, man. She's got that that just that it factor, that that big moment factor. She seems to always thrive in these moments, except for you mentioned Andrade. She got dropped on her head, um, so it was really kind of a tough tough shot there. But uh, I like Rose in this fight. Uh, I have a submission bet on her. I think Wei Li comes in and, and tries to grapple, and I think that's a mistake. Um, so I like Rose uh, all the way on this fight. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, fr you know, frankly, I totally understand. Um, I totally understand people siding with Rose. And frankly, if you're in the Rose camp, hammer the hell out of that line because you are getting almost even money on – the winner of the first fight. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the fact that she's an underdog, I got it for minus one hundred two. Is is what I what I better at. And I, the second I saw she was an underdog, I'm like, uh, yes, please, thank you. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Frank, uh, honestly, if you're on, the, I'm not on the Rose side. I think it's like, you know, I, I think it's a very close fight. I think Whaley will make the adjustments, stay in Rose's face, stay away from the kicks, stay away from the outside, and just outbox her, and that's where she signs. That's what she's really good at. With that being said, if you're on the Rose side and you think she just knocks out Whaley the same way she did last time, then hammer that line. You're almost getting even money. Pounce all over that. 8200 bucks, 8000 whatever side you're on, you'll get your money's worth in DraftKings uh, at least. It, it, yeah, and someone asked what rose by decision. Rose by points is plus two eighty five. If you're interested, so yeah, it's a it's a it, this is a tough one to do a prop bet, uh, frankly, because anything can happen. Both these guys can finish the other one. Both of the both of these ladies can finish the other one. Both of them can win out a decision. Anything can happen. Anything. But um, you know, I think Wei Lee will make the adjustments. I think it's if we look at a fight like that and we look at the takeaways, Rose. Almost nothing happened, landed that snapping head kick, and it worked out really well. And you could say she set that up. She was looking for that, or she just saw an opportunity and took it, right? Wei Lee gets to go back and make adjustments. Wei Lee gets to see, oh, this is what I did wrong, and that's how that kick came in. Rose doesn't have that luxury. There are no adjustments to make. Rose can't say, oh, this is what I did wrong. I, and, and I feel too that Wei Li, and this sounds stupid, but you mentioned, or I, you know, I talked about it here with Cejudo kind of focused on the wrestling. She also shaved her head. Sometimes you can make too many adjustments, right? Sometimes you can go, to, you, you feel like you messed up so bad where really it was only one strike. She missed, you know, she misread a kick and caught her in the head. You know, who's to say how that fight would have played out if she would have just stuck to the game plan. Sometimes you can come in and try to change too much, too fast. You, you're doing completely different. You know, you get, get, get a little too wild. So it's, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, people hammering Rose saying that she's going to win. It's a guarantee, blah, blah. Bet the hell out of it. You're going to get even money. And if you're that confident, be thankful she's not a three-to-one uh, favorite for, for winning a knockout just a few months ago. Let's move to the monkey knife fight line. I, I honestly think more and more is the play. I think this fight goes a little longer. I Like I said, I think Wei Lee keeps it close. I think they'll be back and forth. They'll go at it. I like the more and more. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't see a finish this fight. Uh, maybe on the. I obviously have a submission kind of through a little bit of a submission bet for Rose because of the maybe sloppy, you know, wrestling by Whaley. But I agree. I think this definitely probably goes four rounds. And with, with these girls, that that strike line could hit in three rounds. So, yeah, it'll be um, monkey knife fights. Uh, should be a solid line there. I think they will go at it. Um, you know, Rose had that knockout, but she's not exactly a knockout artist, right? Like that was an opportunity. She took it. It worked out really well for her. She's precise, like, right? She didn't have power. She yeah. has precision. Very precise. Yeah, and she hasn't necessarily built her her career off of knockouts. She's just, like you said, great accuracy, very talented. Like, uh, you know, she's very good, and I, I question why I'm even picking uh, against Rose, her. But, but I am. Rose. We want mix.com slash bets. I've said it a million times. Jump into a promo, make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I'll go ahead and I'll send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it, I will send it. Plenty of people have already received it. Next up at UFC 268, we have the main event of the evening. We have Kamaru Usman versus Kobe Covington 2, the rematch. Kamaru Usman 19-1 and in his career, 5-0 and in his last five Kobe Covington, 16-2, and 4-1 and one in his last five with that loss coming at the hands of Kamaru Usman. And I'm legit excited for this main event. Their first fight was fantastic. 
And I don't see this one being any different. If you're looking at topology and you'll see, you know, Kamaru won the first round by TKO in the fifth. That doesn't tell the whole story. It was a competitive fight. And Jacob and I talked about this on the live stream. Jacob actually felt that Kobe was winning that fight. And if it went to the judges scorecards, he may have taken that decision. Well, and I'll tell you, I, I checked the judges scorecards because they, they are available. Yeah. So one judge had it 3-1 Kamaru going into the fifth. One judge had it uh, 2-2. And one judge had it 3-1 Colby. So, and that was Sal Diamanto had it 3-1 Colby. So, yeah. So it, it was straight up that entire fight was coming down to the fifth round, no matter what. Uh, it was a very competitive fight. So do not just look at Sherdog or look at Tapology and let the result tell you what happened because that is not what happened. And, and it was an awesome fight. It was a great back and forth war. Rewatch it. I am shocked that these odds are so wide. While I agree Camaro should be the favorite, especially his body of work since that fight has been incredible. Three to one, three to one seems wide. And I think they're just basing it off the result and not necessarily the complete picture of that fight. With that being said, this is a great matchup with two high level wrestlers that don't necessarily need to use their wrestling in every single fight. They didn't use it at all, at all in their first fight. Uh, I've, I've doubted Kamaru in the past, but that is getting harder and harder to do. He is massive for the weight class, uh, and he has no cardio issues, which is shocking considering how big he is. He's an accomplished wrestler, but doesn't need to use it. His striking is technical, and we saw that in his knockout over Masvidal that he has power now. Uh, we've seen him come back after getting dropped against Burn, uh, Burns. We've seen him out-wrestle his opponents. We've seen him in wars. We've seen him knock people out. At this point, Kamaru is incredibly dangerous, and we are not far off from discussing if he is the best to ever do it at that weight class. Kobe is also a great wrestler that hasn't needed uh, his wrestling in all of his fights. He is uh, he sets a high pace. He's a high-volume guy that comes forward with punches in bunches and doesn't let you settle into any sort of rhythm. He did that in the first fight, and he had success with it. Uh, Wrestling-wise, he's, he's actually technically the more accomplished wrestler between the two. Um, but it's hard to say who would actually win in a straight-up wrestling match. The quick story that Dan told us about Kobe. Um, so, as you know, Dan, who's on the show, he's not here now because he's just got back from Abu Dhabi after flying out there for Glover's fight. He was Kobe's training partner for years. Uh, and he said that before the Damian Maya fight, UFC was like, listen, Kobe, you're great. You've got a bunch of wins. But you're boring as hell, and we're going to cut you win or lose. Sorry. This is your last fight. We're not renewing your contract. So that's when Kobe invented that heel persona. That's when he became, you know, just, just saying her horrible things about everybody everywhere, including his teammates, which caused issues. But so that heel persona, that was developed literally to keep his job. He's very open about that. He talks about it. If you watch uh, that Brendan Schaub food truck interview YouTube thing. Uh, he talks about it. He talks about, yeah, I made it up. That's not who I am. And I have family members that hate me for this act that I'm putting on that pays the bills. So I don't know. I, I just found that really interesting. But either way, Kobe sets a nasty pace. He is in your face. He never lets you settle in. He does not have any power whatsoever, but he makes up for it with, with just sheer volume and pace and grit. Listen, this is a hard fight to pick. I don't care what these odds say. Uh, if you look at their last fight, and as Jacob said, if it went to the scorecards, it would have been a very interesting decision, and this division could look entirely different right now. The reality is that these guys have very similar styles, but Kamaru has been busier. 
He's had the tougher fights. He he's developed knockout power, which Kobe does not have. Kobe cannot win by stoppage here. His only path would be a very busy decision to avoid the big power. Kamaru's a knockout threat and could win a decision. I got to go with Usman here. Usman's the pick to win the rematch, but these odds are far too wide. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The odds are, are wide. You mentioned how I felt about the first fight. I honestly thought it was 3-1 Colby. I, obviously very, very close. You know, one judge saw it my way. Another judge saw it the complete opposite way. The other judge is right in the middle. In my mind, I thought, uh, you know, Colby was winning that fight 3-1 just off of volume. My biggest thing here, and the only thing that I have in my notes for this fight, is I, I feel like Colby has to trust his cardio. And by that, I mean he's got to stay in Usman's face. He can't go for those power shots. A lot of times he was getting caught by Usman's power when Colby was trying to load up on shots. I think a lot of that was kind of the emotion of the fight. There was a lot of stuff leading up to the fight. I think he put a little too much power behind those fights. I think he just needs to trust his cardio. Move forward, stay, boom, 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 boom. Mix in some take. You might not get the takedowns, but throw Usman against the cage, right? We haven't seen Usman. He doesn't have cardio issues, right? He, he's going to be there in the fifth round no matter what. But you can take a little bit of his pop away, a little bit of that pop of his jab away if you pressure him, right? Put him against the fence. Threaten those takedowns. And, and Colby's a good enough wrestler where maybe he can grab an angle. Maybe he can get a takedown and kind of work him on the ground, right? So I want Colby to trust his cardio and just go full forward. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Throw some shots. Even if it's just a feint, you come back up, boom, boom, boom. Maybe it's you just grind him on against the fence for 30 seconds. Trust your cardio. You're going to have better cardio. You know how hard you've been working pressure 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 volume 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 and and, and win a, a, just a nasty nasty ugly fight and, and get that title so i think usman probably is the pick he's proven it before that he's tough he can come back he can win fights any way that he wants to i'm going colby i i, I just i just feel like colby's gonna come in he's gonna make the adjustments i think there's more wrestling i don't think usman wants to wrestle i think he can I think Colby's going to be the offensive wrestler in this fight. I think he's going to use his volume. I think he's going to, you know, he's not going to get in those little pocket punches that he's getting caught with at that last fight. He's in and out. He's going to trust his cardio. And I think Colby wins a, you know, a razor, a razor thin uh, a decision. Because I agree. I don't think he's going to put Usman away. I don't think he's going to get on top of him and mount him and TKO him. He doesn't have the power to one shot him. Um, he's going to have to win an ugly decision. I think he's going to, you know, barely squeak that out. So uh, I like Colby. I actually have a parlay I'm going to play with Colby. And Chandler, I, I probably have to pick one or the other for my DraftKings because they're kind of both the same amount. It's probably going to be Chandler, honestly. Um, but you know, Colby that sixty nine hundred dollars. Why would you take Chandler in a three round fight instead of Colby in a five round fight in DraftKings? Because uh, I, I like the takedowns with with, uh, with five points with each. Chandler, I think it was five points each, and I think he's got a, a, a ability to stop Gagey with TKOs with the takedowns. Where Colby, I don't know, he's not going to get stop him he gave a million points with strikes but it was 0 0.2 0 0.2 0 0.2 it's going to take a lot to add up and you saw him get dropped versus Usman too Usman with that power it's he's a bigger threat to me than obviously Gagey's a, a threat too but you know that's that's how I feel to answer that question but I like Colby in this matchup yeah I, uh so we're split but I I definitely you know listen I I just can't doubt Kamar Usman anymore I was hoping Masvidal I picked Masvidal to win their last fight because I thought you know, Masvidal uh, just had the striking advantage and everything else, and he had his moments in the first fight, which was short notice, and then Usman came out and just took his head off. And it just, you know, Usman survived being dropped by Burns. That showed me something. You know, it's just, Usman was in the war against Kobe the first time. That showed me something. So Usman's the real deal at this point. Like him or not, he is unlikable at times. You feel like his personality is fake. 
But I, I will say the last six months or so, he does seem to be a little more real. He seems to be a little more authentic, less of a character. Um, and, and to and to just to piggyback off that point, in the embedded, he talks about Colby, and it was a complete 180. He was like, listen, I know what he's doing is this. He's a great fighter. We had a great fight. I respect him as a fighter. So that is like, he went to another level on that. Because that yeah. was, I mean, that was real personal stuff. And now he's starting to realize, listen, it's all for a show. He's a great fighter. We had a great war. We're going to have another great fight, you know. So that, that tells you that piggybacks off that kind of that maturity of growing as a champion. Yeah, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm going with Usman here. He's the pick. $9,300, I'm, I'm going to spend it. I, you know, listen, it, even if Kobe wins, it's a decision. He's not going to stop Usman. So I'm going to get five rounds out of Kamaru. And if it's anything like his last few fights, he should be worth the money. Uh, and and uh, Monkey Knife fight, I, I, I'm going to say more and more, but 157 is freaking high. One, oh, and I have the note here. Hold on one second. Last time, it was 175 to 143. So in there, so I guess I got to go more and more. So in their last fight, Kamaru Usman landed 175 strikes in four and a half rounds or whatever. And um, Kobe Covington landed... 143. So five rounds, you got to go more and more. Uh, I'm going to play that before that moves. Honestly, we want picks.com slash MKF deposit money. If you give them a hundred, they'll give you a hundred, take the free hundred, bet it. Uh, I'm going to do them more and more as soon as we're done filming, because that one will probably move. And just based off their last fight, 175 and 143, they should get there. What do you think? I agree. More and more. All right. Well, that's it. Any last words? Okay. <laughs> well, hold on. Filming my outro, guys. Here's my outro. Don't forget, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets and make a deposit. We have three different betting partners to work with. Grab one, jump in, make a deposit, reach out, let me know after you did, and I will send you 50 bucks, however you want it, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. All I need from you is your username, screenshot of deposit, I'll get you paid. Thank you very much for the watch. Like, subscribe, do all the things, and claim your free money. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody, in the live chat. Appreciate it. From now on, our live chats are going to be subscriber only because, frankly, we put in so much time, so much effort. All we ask in return is to subscribe. So if you want to chat, subscribe, chat away. It's free. It costs you nothing. Thank you guys all very, 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 very much. We'll be here for all the things this week. We might even live stream on Saturday. All the things. I just got to see if anybody's coming over. See you then.